Welcome to Time Traveling Team, the weekly podcast where we review every story of Doctor Who right from the very beginning. I'm Paddy. And I'm Trisha. As 2023 comes to an end, we decided to record a special look back Q&A rambling in the TARDIS. Basically, we're bored and <laughs> tired <laughs> and lazy. So we decided to go with a lazy option to close out the year. And first, we did this last year as well. It's become a bit of an annual thing. So we're yeah. going to be answering some questions from our listeners. We might ask each other some burning or random shite questions. Simmering. <laughs> and generally the idea is just that we shoot the shit for a while. And yeah, yeah. close off the year. Yeah, which is pretty much like us shooting the shit is like generally half of a podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> we we set up with four things to discuss so we end up just kind of going off into random tangents yeah. like last week. <laughs> yeah, I will say though, this is because one of our, our listeners, um, the famous Paul, mm-hmm. did ask like, oh, can he ask questions about the sixes? So this the Q&A every year is really the one big opportunity for to us jump the to timeline. talk about... <laughs> modern who <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah with no filter <laughs> do you know well we'll get to filters later but but recently yeah. no filter <laughs> so uh with that in mind as always we'd love to hear your thoughts on anything we discussed today so you can join us at the usual places at time team that's t-i-m-e-t-e-a-m-p on facebook x slash twitter Instagram, or you can email us at timetravelingteam at teamproductions.com. So, will we go through the listener questions first? Yeah, so we have three general categories for questions. Mm-hmm. So we have a general who question, with mm-hmm. some questions on the specials, and then we have some podcasty specific ones, so questions more so around the episodes we've talked about already, um, and the podcasting experience in general and then we have what i have called random shite which is questions that i came up with that i want to ask you and i think you have a handle that you want to ask me too i i have a couple cool so we'll start with the general question first right and this is from mm-hmm. neva on instagram also known mm-hmm. as my sister <laughs> and hi dave <laughs> So my so actually, there's an interesting thing for Patty to know, right? Because I don't know who knows. So my sister is not mm-hmm. a science fiction fan in general. However, <sighs> since she got together with her husband, she has watched, you know, she's watched a lot, all the Marvel stuff. She's seen all the Star Wars movies and things. And because Steve likes Doctor Who, my sister has actually watched all of the 60s specials. So she's actually watched a oh, fair bit of it. Doctor Who recently. Um, and so... Her question is actually, I think, one of the hardest questions in the list because her question is, "What's the funniest Doctor Who episode?" I I will say I've known your sister for over thirteen years, and she's come a long way from what the fuck are those two idiots laughing at? Bees, bees, bees. Don't worry, we will get to the origin of the beast. Like, I think we've told the origin of the beast story, but once we, yeah, but once, what, what, like, there will come a time where the bees story will become very uh, relevant. So, what was her question again? (laughs) What's the funniest Doctor Who episode? She says episode. I'm going to say episode slash story. Right. One automatically springs to mind, mm. and I have to just kind of cast my mind 
over another one or a couple. So the first one for me that automatically springs to mind is the Romans. Mm. I love the Romans. It is so fucking funny. And it, but, and it mixes like ten, it mixes the tension and suspense of a Doctor Who historical story, mm. but with with good humor. You know, they, it was the first time they'd ever got into that. And Hartnell, like who's very well known for appearing in Carry On Sergeant, where he plays like the the straight man type character. Mm. Here, actually, get, seeing him stretch his comedy muscles, like he really was. An all rounder, I think, and he all like you know. There's that interview of him saying that he's a serious character actor. I like he had some good comedy chops, I thought. Mm. Um, another one though that kind of springs to mind for me, and again, it's down to the dynamic of the people involved in it, is the unicorn and the wasp. Mm. Um, because we mentioned it when we were talking about the black orchid, it is a murder mystery. But it's set during Donna's run. So it's David Tennant and Catherine Tate, whose chemistry is almost unparalleled. Mm. You know, there's very, there's very few combinations that match their chemistry. And it's, there's a sequence where like they're playing a game of like life or death charades and it's, oh, it's fucking brilliant. So I would go, yeah, I would think I would go with the Romans and the unicorn and the wasp. Yeah, so I, I I really struggled with this. Like I said, for someone who doesn't watch that much Doctor Who, at least she asked probably one of the toughest questions. Mm. Um, so the interesting thing I find about Doctor Who is that Doctor Who has episodes that have funny moments, but it's mm-hmm. not inherently a funny ha ha show. So no. a lot of like the funny moments I was thinking of actually came in the midst of also very serious stories, like. You mentioned the Romans. I would 100% agree with you. Um, mm-hmm. But the Romans also does have Barbara being sold into slavery, Ian being mm-hmm. sold into slavery, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had I had like three for the classic era that we've watched up to now. And I had two that came to mind from the revival era. I will say I did have a look online just to see like what do people generally say are funny episodes and a lot of people say um the Robin Hood one, Peter Capaldi's uh Oh Robots Robots of Sherwood. Yeah. I don't remember that one though, so I can't speak to it. Um I only remember very brief bits of it and I didn't actually find it funny. Um so from classic I agree with you on the Romans. I think while it has poignant moments dotted into it, like the whole thing at the villa at the start, mm-hmm. the leftover pheasant is in the fridge. It's just, yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant. Like I said, it has some serious moments. Like I said, like Barbara's breakdown when Ian is separated from her is devastating. There is obviously the whole the burn, the burning of Rome, the burning of Rome, the Catholicism component of it, but also mm-hmm. Nero being. Sex pest. A sex pest, basically, yeah. Um, the other one, which it has, like, I mean, I have to mention it. I can't not mention it. Is the time meddler? 
because it has space helmet for a cow in it. I can't not mention it because it's the one line that will make me crack my ass laughing. Just apropos of nothing. But again, like the Time Meddler has some hilarious moments in it. Like the Time Meddler as a mm-hmm. character in general, some fantastic bits. Mm-hmm. But again, that story had some serious under elements as well. Very serious yes. in one case. Yeah. Um it, it's the only time we were so far that we've had to do a trigger warning at the start of the podcast. Yeah. Um, and then the last one from the classic era that I had was um, Pirate Planet. I think Pirate Planet had some hilarious moments. It was very funny. Romana was fucking brilliant, firing all cylinders. Um, but again, you do have that amazing Tom Baker moment. Mm-hmm. Then what's it for? So those are my three for the classic era. If I had to pick uh, one of those three, I'd probably go with the Romans as well because like the Romans has a special place in my heart. But space helmet for a cow will always, always get a go. Uh, actually, speaking of kind of funny moments and serious stories, you do kind of. I would have to give a shout out to the Aztecs. Mm. You know, like, like, where did you get this? My fiance. Okay. You're what? <laughs> because, yes, I made some cocoa and I got engaged. And he says it so nonchalantly. It's, yeah, or like, oh. oh, is it in the chase where Ian's like, Barbara, give me your card. She's like, oh, not again. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably go Roman's. Time Mentor Pirate Planet. Then from the yeah. modern era. To be honest, I really am, and this could be because of the specials, I really am drawn to the Catherine Tate, David Tennant um, run the show. I totally agree with mm-hmm. you with Unicorn and the Wasp, um, but the one that picks it to the post for me is Partners in Crime. The, 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 yeah. the season opener for Series 4 is so good. It's like, I'm waving at that. It's like, it's, yeah. You want to make? Uh, it's like, oh, there's just so many great quips. Yeah, I like the 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 mime game between yeah. the, I think they just look at your one staring right at them. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I would agree with you. Like I said, on Unicorn the Wasp as well. Um, I'm trying to. I was trying to think like, oh, like, is there some funny ones? Because like, again, a lot of them have funny moments, but like the episode isn't a comedy. Do you know? So, mm. Niamh, that is the very rambling answer. So, if we're talking classic, we're kind of both agreed on the Romans. The Romans. And if we're talking new, pretty much anything with Catherine Tate and David Tennant, to be honest. But specifically, I would go yeah. with Partners in Crime and you went with Unicorn and the Wasp. And, like, again, just to talk about that dynamic, because, um, like, we're going to get to it in a couple of years, probably two years. Um, like I think, even with the specials again, Catherine Tate showed that she has a great dramatic side to her performance yeah. as well, because everyone knows like would know her primarily from like her sketch show and maybe like the American Office, but then when it comes to Doctor Who, when she came in because of that comedy uh, reputation and it brought out some fantastic drum serious dramatic performances in the entire series, right. yeah. Like I am, I am just thinking through like other episodes and like funny moments. And to be honest, like most of the good stories have one or two sort of like giggly moments or like you know moments where you might break your ass. Like again, pretty much all of series four 
with the exception of Midnight, mm-hmm. I think, which isn't designed to be funny. Um, no, no. But um, like Runaway Bride has like it, the, the three guys in segways. It's just like. <laughs> pockets so many amazing one liners uh, I'd, act- I'd actually go um, I think midnight and turn left yeah turn yeah, left is the other one of those. Yeah. Um, yeah. but like, if you think about school reunion it's like we are in a car yeah but don't you have this is mm-hmm. it? we are in a car <laughs> I was like that's so good yeah. Um, but yeah uh, so uh, great question Eve. thanks very much um, top one to start it off but Yes. Now we get to jump the timeline significantly mm-hmm. from our perspective and talk a bit about the 60 specials. So the first question is from Whitney uh, on Instagram, uh, which is the general question of what do you think of the new specials? So Paddy, I'll, I'll leave it to you first. What did you think of them? So we had three and they were all very different in their own way. So what do you think? Yes, very, very different. Each one is very different because each one takes a different aspect of what makes Doctor Who so good. Mm. And overall, over so this is overall. I think the sixtieth specials were very, were really enjoyable. Mm. I have, I think I I do have some nitpicks for Star Beast, which would be part which is the first one, mm. and uh, The Giggle, which mm. is the third one. I think where it was at its strongest, and again, it's a great representation of, for, which is for me what makes season, sorry, series four of the Revival Era the best season of the Revival Era, is that it's just the Doctor and Donna essentially in a big fucking spooky spaceship. Mm. And there's, like, that worked so well. It really did. And you just get to see this fantastic chemistry. It brings you back to, like, everyone has their era of the show where they, they get their their most, like, serotonin, <laughs> whatever, you know? And it was nice to kind of, and I know the show's all about going forward, and I, 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 I actually fully endorse that mentality of, like, it's always about moving forward. It's always about going on ahead uh but it was nice to take like just a small trip down memory lane for mm. a group that are amongst my favorite in the entire show um the star beast was you, you have miriam margulies in it and that's like 50 points <laughs> right then <laughs> right off the bat you know uh she was fantastic in it um it's nice seeing like the extended uh, noble temple uh, family unit back. Seeing Sylvia back is great. Hasn't lost a step. Uh, the introduction of Rose, I thought you know, Yasmin Finney did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, what you can say like that there was a certain amount of pressure on her, uh, being like that she is, I think, the first openly transgender act, uh, actress to appear on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, as a transgender character, thought she did a really good job, and I know that there's some discourse around how well her presentation was. I thought, she, look, from my perspective, I thought it was handled really well. Mm. Um, then, if you want to fast forward onto the giggle, it was 
Now, I know we uh, we might differ slightly on the uh, on Neil Patrick Harris, and we've had discussions around Neil Patrick Harris before. But he worked. I've seen him in something else, which uh, done by Russell C. Davis, which was "It's a Sin," mm. and I thought he was fantastic in that. And it's clear that they have a really good working relationship, and I think it carries over here. Um, there was, I will say that it, maybe the toy maker at times was a bit too camp compared to him, compared to the last time we saw him mm. where the toy, the toy maker is a mischievous character. Absolutely. But I think that there were times where it was like, is, is this a bit much? But then we, ha- uh, then I was feeling that he's had so much exposure to the human race that his characteristics can change over time as well. Mm. Like his, uh, methodology can change. But I suppose the big thing from the last one then was the introduction of Shuri Gatwa as the new Doctor. And for me personally, I think he's hitting all the right marks straight out the gate. Mm. I think, yeah. So overall, I think the new specials were a success. I would agree. I think the new specials were great. I think for a celebration event to get that group of people back together, Russell T. Davies, Catherine Tate, David Tennant, I think they did fantastically well. Um, I enjoyed Mm. all three episodes. Um, I do have little gripey nitpicks with two Mm. of them. And I do think the middle one, I've forgotten the name of it now. Uh, Wild Blue Yonder. Wild Blue Yonder. I would say I think Wild Blue Yonder is probably the best of the three mm-hmm. in the sense that I don't have any nitpick with Wild Blue Yonder. Mm-hmm. I think it was stellar from beginning to end. I'm really looking forward to us discussing it on the pod because there's so many interesting dynamics with the Doctor and Donna in that story. Mm-hmm. It was also fucking terrifying. Um, it, like There was one part in it there, I think I think it's five minutes into it. And they just wave wave at someone they see in the distance. And even then, I was like, no, no, don't no, like it, me. It's, like when, it's when David does the like um, exorcist. Oh, the, spy, crab, the spider. spider thing. Yeah. Um, I think Star Beast was fucking amazing. I, I said this to John Macy, a buddy of mine, um, through the Mission Log Party, his own podcast, as well called the Beating Podcast. Um, I said to John, I was like, it brought me right back to series four vibes. Um, right back into the action. David Hend and Catherine Tate were fucking phenomenal together. Um, I loved the introduction of the new unit character, whose name I've forgotten. Oh, Shirley, I think her name is. I loved her introduction. I thought she was fantastic. Um, I loved the meep. The meep was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually went to the Harry Potter Studios tour in London um, the other week with my sister, Niamh, who asked the earlier question. And they've actually added, it wasn't there that time, they've added a greenhouse bit to the back lot. Oh, nice. Where you can go in and actually like pull up a mandrake thing, which is really good. So when you go in, you hear that first class of, that first herbology mm-hmm. class from the Chamber of Secrets. And I said to me, I was like, oh, do you recognize the voice? And she was like, I fucking do. Why do I recognize the voice? Like, it's the voice <laughs> of the meep. 
<laughs> she's like, Liam Bagley needs to be on the show like properly, not just in CG because she's so good. Um, so yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was a great reintroduction to the character. I loved how Sylvia hasn't changed. Mm. Um, I loved that Donna gave away all her money. I love mm. it. I love it. I love that she's then freaked when she realizes why the fuck she did it. Uh, <laughs> I gave away so much money. Um, and I, I actually loved the character of Rose. I loved how she was introduced. Mm-hmm. I love how they, how everyone reacted to her. I love how you know, Donna was completely normalizing it. I loved the conversation between Sylvia and Donna. Again, I know there's been discourse mm-hmm. online about the fact that the two cis characters were talking about the trans character and the trans character wasn't speaking up for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I agree, but in a way, the story they were trying to tell was to show us how Donna has changed and who she is now. Um, sadly, the yeah. story wasn't about Rose. Um, no, the story was about Donna. There was sim- there was similar discourse surrounding the dead naming sequence, and yeah. again, as to whether it should be a thing, shouldn't be a thing. But yeah, it's been um, asked for that again. though. From what I know, like I, I was reading stuff online, I think she actually asked for that scene to be put in. Um, I think, I think, yeah, that sounds familiar because I think Russell said that he talked about it amongst um with the crew as to whether or not they should actually go ahead yeah. with it. But again, I think, I think it adds to your point of like Donna's growth as a character reacting to it. Yeah. Um, the one thing I didn't like and my nitpick with it is I totally get where they were going. I love, I love growth as a character. I love the fact that by having a non-binary character or a trans character who doesn't fit into from the human side who doesn't fit into gender roles i think Mm -hmm. having her be like she is the solution to the meta crisis i love that Mm -hmm. what i felt personally speaking they needed to do maybe one more write over it was a bit too fucking bonk bonk on the head particularly the way it was said was the line um of course, it became a solution that no male presenting Time Lord would ever think about. Just mm-hmm. let it go. And given the fact that the Doctor has only just regenerated back into a male form, mm-hmm. I don't. The line just it felt a bit too on the nose. Don't disagree mm-hmm. with the message, but I disagree with the delivery. Um, and that was like my one like nitpick on. Mm. that particular story um there's actually one one thing i i didn't actually peg until just now mm. is that we actually got to see that donna got a donna got a happy ending yeah the happy ending that she deserved because the way she has to leave the tardis Mm. is horrible it's 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 one of the worst but she gets a happy ending as a result. And yeah. I like that. I and I love the fact that like, her family is lovely. They love her. It's great. Um, then we have the giggle. So the giggle has a few issues. How the fuck did you survive the giggle? <laughs> I, I'll never know. Just a reminder for people who've been with us for a long time. And a heads up for people who've been with me new. I fucking hate puppets. I hate puppets and I hate clowns. The only exception to the puppets thing is the Muppets because they're Muppets and mm-hmm. different. I fucking hate puppets. So the whole idea of like a 
ventriloquist dummy puppet thing. No, no, I'm sorry. Like Russell, are you trying to mm-hmm. fucking break my brain? Um, the other thing is, I don't like Neil Patrick Harris in the role of the toy maker. Personally, I did not connect with him. I loved the toy maker in the original story. I loved the character. I loved the way he was presented. I thought he was really good. I don't see how the character went from that character to Neil Patrick Harris. In my opinion, and this is just my opinion, Neil Patrick Harris plays the same... He's one of those people who plays the same tones and beats in every character he plays. And that worked in How I Met Your Mother. I don't... person For me, it didn't work here. I found it very distracting. The other thing that's my nitpick on this one is something that Russell T. Davies did or said where he made the toy maker racist. Yeah. And that was a conscious decision on his part. And he kind in my opinion, and again, others feel free to disagree with me, right? But in my opinion, the reason why he did that was the same reason why Stephen Moffat made the first doctor sexist and racist which is there is a very serious retrospective issue with the celestial toy maker the the story and how the toy maker is presented in this asian get-up using the words celestial etc was it intended to be racist at the time i don't think so I think the word celestial probably came first and the design came later. Mm. But I understand they didn't want to do that. So he's just the toy maker. We, I remember, I was going back to our actual discussion mm. on the the celestial toy maker. And I, see, okay, and this was my own brain kind of thing was the going, yes, he is wearing, uh, I, from the looks of a Chinese mm. style clothing and they have the tease term the celestial toy maker but my brain took the celestial part as he is celestial as in heavenly yes. he is and we had this and also the one thing I loved was I think that this can finally push and into a certain part of that discourse was they show, they colorized the flashbacks to mm. that story Michael Goff was not in yellow face no. Michael Goff was in his thing. He was just wearing the Oriental side clothing. Mm. So I think that mitigates some part of it. But again, that's just me. Yeah, I do think that the name Celestial Toymaker came first. I think the outfit came second. Yeah. I think choosing yeah. that outfit is the racist component, not having the character mm-hmm. called the Celestial Toymaker. But yeah. to address that, in my opinion, Russell went the same way as Stephen Moffat, where he dumped the Celestial part of the title, which is fine, again, understand why but he, he made and he said this he made the character a racist to highlight the fact that yeah calling the character the festival toy maker the way he was dressed in the original story was racist I'm like those two things do not equate to each other the toy maker mm. has no reason to be racist mm-hmm. and putting on this fake German accent is actually more racist than anything else because it perpetuates the stereotype that all Germans are racists. Um, oh, oh, I, I, I actually, didn't, I thought you were talking about the time where he uh, refers to a guy's skin tone. Yeah, but like, 
I don't... He, he makes oh, yeah. a racist comment, but he's also putting on a German accent <laughs> the whole fucking time. Yeah. I'm like, you're kind of undoing your own message. Like, if he had him speaking mm. in a British accent, because he's in Britain, and he said that line, you're like, okay, there's your nod to whatever. Again, I still think it's unnecessary, but whatever. I am not of Asian descent, so I, <laughs> my feelings on it are obviously very different. Yeah. He just, he actually reminded me of an evil version of Mr. Uh, uh, sorry, of Jim Broadbent's character from the Paddington movies. Yes, he, he reminded me of that too. Um, so I had a bit of an issue with that. Um, however, the Spice Girls scene was fucking amazing. Um, mm. I loved... Um, I've seen a lot of discourse on this online, but I loved his little... Uh, as much as I hate the puppets, his little marionette show of... Mm. Um, specifically, the Moffat era. Yeah. Where all the fucking companions died. Mm. In some way. Sense. He's like, oh, well, that's all right then. You know, she's alive in her last moment. Yeah. Well, that's all right then. I've seen people complaining that, like, quote unquote, the fam, so Jodie's companions aren't there. It's like, oh, yeah, no, like, mm-hmm. this is Russell, like, just sort of, like, skipping over Jodie. I think, like, no, Chibnall didn't kill off any of his companions, so they didn't mm-hmm. need to be in it. <laughs> what he did yep. put in was the flux, which was that doctor's big loss, because she kept all of her yep. companions alive. Fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really good. Except for one who. Actually, I, I, we we can get on to one that one person maybe as a question uh, after this. But can, can I, I think I know who you mean. I don't think I counted that person as a companion because she wasn't at the time. But if that's who, if I'm thinking of the same person you were, no, 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 no. Okay. Um, no, like I saw a thing on. I think it was the Radio Times, and they had a poll of like greatest Doctor Who companions, and they had James Corden's character mm. there, and I was like. How how is how is he a companion? Because he, he was in two stories. In in two stories. Okay, if that's the case, then for me, Professor Eustatius Jericho should also count as a companion. Yes, because he oh, he I'm was there him. for because he was there for three stories, yeah. and he unfortunately doesn't yeah. make it out of the flux. But Jesus Christ, what a character! Yeah. Um. So yeah, I thought. That was amazing. I I love Donna still being like the fastest temp and chisel type thing. I love the little nod to that. <laughs> I fucking love it. Um, I love that you're one um, in the wheelchair. I feel so shit. I don't remember her name. Shirley. Shirley. Um, I love that she's in it again. I love that she gets... I, I love the moment I watched the behind the scenes of her reaction to the fact that the TARDIS now has an accessibility ramp. It's, mm-hmm. it's just a small thing. It's lovely. Um, I have not. I have only seen one story with Mel, but I love that we got another classic companion back. I love the way David is with her. It's very, very cute. It was done very well. I particularly love that we got Kate back. Mm. Your one I... fucking killed it in that. Her thing where she goes like, you don't think I didn't see you walking earlier. Did it's so good. It's so good. That scene was fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. I love it. I saw a very interesting take that I thought was, was a fascinating thing about uh, Kate's fucking meltdown, mm. and I was like, "That like it's amazing." And it, spoke, it speaks to like how the initial gut reaction of a person 
doesn't define that person. Mm. It's what they do based on that kind of reaction. I was like, well, like, Gemma Redgrave is fantastic. Like, she has owned the part of Kate Stewart since I think the, she her first appearance. Yeah, in she's the so of the good. Trade. She's so good. Like she's totally like she's super high on my list of people I want to meet at a convention sometime. Um, so that was great. And I think Shooty was fantastic. I think Shooty was brilliant. I'm mm. really looking forward to him. I think he's going to be amazing. I think he's fantastic. My other nitpick, right, and then I'll get back to you again. My other nitpick is the bi generation. I kind of liked it in the context of the episode. I don't like what Russell T. Davis said after. They all bi generated. There's now when um Hartnell regenerated into Troughton. Mm-hmm. Troughton walked away and there's now a bi regeneration version of Hartnell um, when um, and he, he's basically like when John Pertwee you know, regenerated into Tom Baker Tom Baker stood up and walked out of the lab and then John Pertwee stood up and walked out of the lab they all duplicated meaning that there is a second version of every doctor still alive is that what he meant is yeah. it he specifically gave the examples of Hartnell and Pertwee and um, I think he gave Eccleston as well. But, or it might have been Colin Baker was one of them. Um, mm-hmm. But he basically said that it happened across the Doctor's timeline. And that I don't agree with. I think that's weird. I, I think that's completely unnecessary. I, I, I don't even get how you're going to, like how that actually works. Yeah, and I I do wonder if this is like the back door into what Russell wants to do when he's bringing back his expanded universe again. You know the Hooniverse side of things. I don't know, but I, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't quite agree with that. Um, other than that, though, I thought it was great. I know I've gone a bit of a again a ramble. But that's all point of this. The other thing, mm-hmm. and I think you, I think you know what I'm going to say. I hate that they're like canonically acknowledging that Sarah Jane is dead. Yeah. Like, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it for numerous reasons. One, because I think it's unnecessary. But also because it feels like it goes against Elizabeth Sladen's wishes. Now, Mm. I'm sure that Sadie, her daughter, signed off on it when they did that special over lockdown. But like, there's a story that Russell T Davies and uh, shared about Elizabeth Layden where when they talked about like what do we do when the story eventually ends, and Elizabeth Layden said that like she never wanted her character to be married off, she never wanted her character to be killed off, and so Russell asked her so how does it end, and all she said was she goes up, mm-hmm. and that was it, which is why at the end of the Sarah Jane adventures. The tag is, and the story goes on forever. Mm-hmm. So for him to then come along and say like, "Hey, we did the story during lockdown. We're doubling down that this is actually canon." Like it broke my heart a little bit. Like if anyone was to do it, I'm glad it was Russell that did it though, because he obviously worked with Sarah mm. with Liz. He brought Sarah Jane back as a character, but it did break my heart a small bit. And like, you see, this is the danger, like as well, because like I think the only two deceased actors characters that they've killed off 
are the Brig and Sarah Jane. Mm. And like we talked about, unfortunately, Caroline John is no longer with us. Mm. But as far as we're aware, Liz Shaw is still Up on moon base. alive and kicking. <laughs> um, oh, I need to look up his name because I don't want to do the man of the service. Um, give me a second. While you're looking that up, did you see that apparently they had considered bringing Peter Purvis back for the girl? No, I didn't see that now at all. Yeah, I saw. I didn't. I didn't read the article. I saw some post on Facebook about it. If they were considered. That'd be interesting. Um, sorry, Michael Craze. Michael Craze Mm. passed away, but Ben, as stated by the Sarah Jane Adventures, is still around. Yeah. Um, and obviously our beloved Jacqueline, Mm. she's no longer with us, but. Ian never said that she had passed away. Yeah. So, um, I, I, it, it does kind of. I, I know that. Look, Sarah Jane is an iconic character, and I love Sarah Jane. You know that. Mm. But just because Liz doesn't, just because Liz is no longer with us, doesn't mean that the character has to be shelved forever. You yeah, know? and particularly now that Sadie has taken up the reins in audio form, like now we could still get a load of Sarah Jane. Adventures audio stories now that Russell's back at the helm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that happens between the end of season five and the lockdown special because that is like a what a 10 year gap nearly, yeah. um, between them. But I don't know, I just I, I thought it was unnecessary. Um, no, the way they did it was very sweet, but I just I thought, I thought it was unnecessary. Uh, so Whitney, again, very long rambling thing. Unless Paddy, you have another comment to make about the specials. Uh, just two other things. One, whatever about how great David Tennant was with um, Mel, but Bonnie Langford, I thought Shooty was fucking brilliant. Oh, Shooty's well. Yeah, yeah. Like, like we we'll, we'll see more from like obviously now in the Christmas special, but there's there's a Tom Baker esque charm mischievous charm hmm. or and even like like everyone comes and makes it their own but there's a certain yeah as i said like tom's cheekiness at the start even troughton's cheekiness at the start of hmm. his thing there's a wonderful uh again it's like all everyone seems to do it there's a bit of a tribute to the past hmm. i think it would be unconscious or it would be conscious or unconscious but no, I'm looking forward to his run on it. Mm. Um, the other thing then as well was, I really enjoyed all like the deep cut callbacks. Mm. Um, although I will say that one, there I it seems to be for me one little error because Shushi makes the statement that ever since that we first met the Toy Master, we've been running, mm. and he goes through everything. But he, he talks about what is it? Um, talks about something to do with the Daleks. I can't remember what it was. Then he talks about the gods of Ragnarok, and then he says Mavic Chen. Mm. Mavic Chen happened before they met the Toy Maker. Mm. So yeah. I, 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 I gotta, I gotta do like I, I was like, yeah. like uh, no, I, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I push the glasses up and yeah, but I, but I, at the same time, I loved it. I loved all these callbacks because if fans want to go back and now they throughout the rest of the world except for here, they can. Mm. They can go and see whatever version of the Daleks Master Plan 
is yeah. available on Disney Plus or BBC iPlayer. Yeah. You know? The one thing, I don't want to get too into it. I'm sure we'll talk about it when we eventually get around to talking to it about special and neutral. I did see one other interesting line of discourse around the giggle online, mm-hmm. which is when the bi generation happens. Mm-hmm. Donna says the line, and I'm going to paraphrase it. How many colors do you come in, or do you come in many colors? Oh, yeah, do you come in a range of colors? Range That's of what colors. she says. And I've seen a lot of people freaking out about that line. And again, personally, I just found the line funny. And mm-hmm. I think Donna saying it was funny because it is mm-hmm. the second time we have heard that theme, that question being asked. The first being on the Sarah Jane Adventures story, Death of the Doctor, where it's Clyde, mm-hmm. who, for anyone who's not seen Sarah Jane Adventures, who's a young black teenager who asks mm-hmm. the exact same question to Matt Smith. Can you be any colour or are you always white? Mm-hmm. And so people are saying it was racist, um, that it was tone deaf and whatever. Um, I didn't see it that way. I saw it as Donna being like, okay, so you can be a woman and you can also change your melanin count. <laughs> um, and just sort of being like, holy shit. Um, it wasn't done in a sort of like, how many colors can you be? It wasn't done in a derisive way or whatever. Um, no. But I do know people had but, issue with it. I didn't personally, but again, I'm, you know. But see, it's an interesting one because, like, no, maybe it could come up as wrong because... When Donna gains her memories back, mm. she says that she, she kind of remembers everything that he remembers from when he left. Mm. So, like, she she only has snatches of the flux, I think, and everything like that. Would she remember what the Matrix showed Jodie? I think so. The interesting the thing, so it was the duplicate Donna that said that she remembered everything. Our Donna was a little bit cagey. She said, I think mm. in the moment she did, but now the Matrix crisis was off, she doesn't remember anymore. So okay, yeah. All right, because if she can remember what the matrix showed, the matrix showed that there was a variety of different ethnicities at the time this child was. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I thought it was just meant to be a funny line. I get that people think it was tone deaf, but also the line was asked over ten years ago by Clyde. So, um, yeah. Like I said, uh, really, like I has been like. We've been recording. I don't know how we're going to do this in the other, but we've been recording for over forty minutes, and we've answered two questions. So, Neve mm-hmm. and Whitney, I hope you got bang for your buck out of your question. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have two other questions to do with the specials uh, from the one and only Paul Kanawa of the Half Measures Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's try and get through these maybe a little bit quicker, <laughs> because otherwise yes. we'll be here till midnight. So the first question, I actually struggle. I actually don't think I can answer because I don't watch trailers. I don't read spoilers. I don't read articles about casting or whatever. So I have no idea who's been teased for the Christmas special or for the upcoming new season. So I may just have to defer to you for this one, Paddy. And if you're going to say something Mm. spoilery, just give me the nod and I'll take my headset off and I won't listen to it. 
Who do you think picked up the golden tooth with the master in it? So, I've seen one potential person picked out or named. Mm. And I was like, okay. But then apparently there's a rights issue surrounding this particular character. Um, is it a character from the past that I would know? Or is it a character that's been teased? Yeah. No, no, it's a, char- it's a character from the past that you would know of. I don't think you've seen her yet. Okay, well, in that case, you didn't say it. Because I, I just haven't watched any oh, of the yeah. teasers. For uh, stuff yeah, so, so, some people have said it might be the Rani. Oh, okay. I, I've seen that being hinted at a lot. But the Rani's but been apparently, hinted at for like 10 years. <laughs> yeah, but apparently, no, apparently there's an issue with uh, it's, oh, Pip and Jane Baker, the ones that um, created the character. They held on to the rights, but they're dis- both deceased, and their estate is... Apparently, it makes Terry Nation's estate look like, you know, fucking mm. kindergarten <laughs> in terms of, like, the difficulty getting out of it. Mm. Um, uh, like, who knows? I mean, like, Jesus, the last time that Russell did this and he literally did do this, mm. um, it wasn't a toot, though. It was just some random woman mm. who was a part of a cult. The difference is, though, that here they're stood on the very edge of a platform. And there was nobody else there. I did see people thinking it was Kate because Kate was wearing red nail polish. Except Kate went yeah. inside before everyone else. So that doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. Like I said, uh, I know there's characters that have been teased. So if you want to talk with one of them, I'll just take my headset off and not listen. No, I actually I haven't heard like I've heard no discourse about who it could be. Um, see, a lot of people are trying to. So one one person has been cast for the upcoming season, and there's been the usual dark side of the internet given out about this particular individual uh, because they're a drag queen. But no indication as to who they're playing or anything like that. So they're feeling it might be that person's character. But yeah, I I don't have a horse in this race Paul because I have no idea and I don't like speculate on those types of things if I was to guess someone I would probably guess the Rani would probably be be my guess see like Um, you would see we know there's a we know there's a big bad coming down the line we do because the me preferred to hmm. the boss the toy maker said his legions are still out there so like it's it could be someone we've never seen before. It really, it really could. I I had an interesting thought when the Meep was talking about the boss. Um, there was a dropped story, or not a drop, but an incomplete storyline from the Sarah Jane Adventures, which was going to reveal that Sky, mm. the daughter that Sarah Jane adopted in season five, was a child of the trickster, and given that the trickster, you know. Was part of the pantheon of discord the trickster was played a part and turned left i was like imagine if it was sky <laughs> imagine if it was if sky was the big boss like it would mm. just be so funny um but mm. yeah i yeah i'm afraid paul yeah, i don't like, we're like we're, we are very in the dark on this one because as i said the last time that this was done uh which would have been the last of the time lords the resolution didn't come until the end of time which was the final special after David T's, David Tennant's last season. So that was, mm. was it 13, 1, 2, 3. That was like 17 episodes later 
that that was revealed. And yeah. it was, as I said, it was just some... Yeah, because everyone thought it was the wife. Yeah, right? everyone thought it was the, the wife. But no, it was just some random woman as part of a cult. Uh, so yeah. it could be very something... It could be something similar here. Oh. Mm. Right. Which was... Okay, rank these three. Mm-hmm. The Master dancing to I Can't Decide Whether You Should Live or Die with the Doctor in a Wheelchair. Mm. Ra Ra Rasputin mm. or Toymaker's uh, Spice Girls Tango. Okay. Rasputin has like a special place in my heart because I love Boney M. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> I do though. I do and you know I do. Um, so the Rasputin thing always has a special place in my heart. Um, I kind of have to give it as, as much as I, I, like I said, I I'm not a fan of his work of him but as much as I don't like Neil Patrick Harris I kind of have to give it to the Spice Girls because it is an attack as well as whatever Do you know yeah. it's not just whatever but also it's him dancing with Kate and the look of sheer fucking like what the fuck on Kate's face yeah, then he spins her into a wall where she clacks her head really hard. Yeah, so I think the fact that he uses it as an attack is great. Um, although, didn't didn't the Master do the same thing with Rasputin? No, um, it, it was as he was unveiling his evil plot. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, Rasputin will always have a special place in my heart, though, because I love Boney M. Um, I love Boney M as well. Yeah, you know that. Uh, Rasputin is probably my favourite Boney M song. Um, but I think what tips it over, like the Toymakers one is fantastic. Like, because mm. as you said, it's an attack. It's fucking creepy. It's like what he does to the two guards by turning them into an assortment of fucking bouncing balls. Mm. But I think what it is for me is with the Rasputin one is when the cyber the Cyberman and the Dalek look at each other as if to say, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> <laughs> that, that just, and like, as he's doing like the Cossack fucking dance, that, no, like, I have to give it to that. I will say that, like, you know, credit to, like, quote-unquote, the OG, right? The mm-hmm. I Can't Decide was fucking brilliant at the time. But I think the other two are just, like, next level on top of it you know um so the other question from paul pertaining to the specials and then we're done with the specials until we get mm-hmm. to them or, mm-hmm. um or until next year's rambling we can ask this again um mm-hmm. when will we see the 14th doctor when will we next see the 14th doctor and for me this is an interesting question paul because again i don't read all the online discourse and stuff like that. I don't enjoy participating in it. why I'm glad that we're reviewing like <laughs> all the old stuff first. Um, my gut is telling me that Russell really wants to get the Hooniverse up and running again. So we used to have Torchwood and Sarah Jane Adventures and Doctor Who. And then there was class for a little while. I think Russell's trying to get that built up again. I think what where we're going to see the 14th doctor again is likely going to be in comics or books um having adventures with rose um that is my gut on it um you know potentially something animated maybe 
or Russell working directly with Big Finish to do um, a series of audio stories that take place after the giggle, basically, on that timeline. I don't think we're going to see him, and I could be completely wrong, I don't think we're going to see them on screen again, except maybe, like, you know, in another special in a couple of years, maybe they'll come back. Um, I kind of don't want them to come back on screen again. Possibly controversial statement, but I don't. Um, I think this has been great. This is enough for me. Um, how about you, Patty? Um, so, yeah, look, being 100% honest, physically seeing the 14th Doctor, I hope we don't see him again for a long time. Because, as I said, a part of the show is always about moving forward. Having the the Tree Doctor special, great. It was wonderful. The Five Doctor special, I'm looking forward to watching it again. The every, like the the two doctors, the what is this the the fiftieth anniversary special, uh, the power of the doctor. Seeing all these characters come back in some capacity, it's great. It's fun. Doing it right at the start of another Doctor's run, as with someone that has was so po- as popular as David Tennant was, I think it kind of cuts the legs off for a bit under a small bit, because it would be. I think it would be very short sighted of us, right? You and me now, to ignore the fact that Shooty's casting was controversial amongst the fandom. And I'm not, I, 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 given over the last couple of years, I'm not going to say like the percentage of the fandom or whatever it is, because there's factions and splitting. It's like any major fandom now, and it's kind of getting a bit depressing to look at, to be honest with you. But Shooty's casting was a bit controversial. Uh, now, I, I'm all for it. Like he, I've heard really good things about him as an actor. This is the first thing I've seen him in. Sorry, I tell a lie. I saw him in the Barbie movie, and I thought he was funny in that. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for. He's got a series. He's actually in another show that's starting up on Apple TV you now uh, in January. Uh, it's a World War Two thing. He plays a Tuskegee Airman. Looking forward to that. But there's a lot of promise here. But he again, it's untested waters, and we're in. Unfortunately, we're in controversial times with this sort of stuff. Having the potential of David Tennant's Doctor coming back at any stage, I I don't want this thing of like, the ratings are falling, better bring him back in. Or other people saying like, you know, oh, bring him back in, can we, like, when are they going, like, it's Shooty's time now. It's, it's his time to, to shine. And look, I love David Tennant, I love David's Doctor, I love, I love Donna, love that whole thing. Keep it to expanded media. Keep it to big finish audio, keep it to comics, keep it whatever. Give Shooty a season, two seasons, before you do, you bring the 14th back. And if you do bring him back, it's to, I was thinking about it, and the whole thing of the bi-generation side of things, right? Now, Russell's thing here has kind of maybe changed my perspective on this, but... You're aware of the show Dragon Ball Z, correct? Yeah. Okay. So there's a race in it called the Namekians. 
and Namekians have the ability to fuse together. Like they, like they can essentially become one person, one brand new entity, um, which will allow them to become stronger, all this kind of stuff. They still remain who they like. The more dominant personality, I believe, t- is the one that kind of survives, but they retain all the memories and everything of their other ones. But in Dragon Ball Z, there's a character called Piccolo who starts off as very evil, but he was the evil he was the evil manifestation of another character, and then down the line he has to fuse back in with that character again, uh, with Kami, and they become super powerful, and but they become complete, like he's not evil, he's not overwhelmingly good, he's a complete person, or he's a, yeah, he's a complete individual. I if David Tennant is to come back, I would like it to be a sort of I've done my healing. I'm happy with who I am. It's time for me to get to merge back in with Shooty again to become the, the healed finished product. Yeah, like I. So it was interesting, right? Back in August, I was at STLB, as you know, and our friends over at Mission Log, Norman John, did a panel on nostalgia, and sort of the place of nostalgia in pop culture like they were talking about star trek but it could be anything and i went up and I, I i said my piece and you can listen to the show um over on a mission log but i got very odd on several occasions with russell t davis and the way he was handling the whole announcement of who the next Doctor was going to be. And it reminded me of the fact that I got very odd during Star Trek Picard Season 2. Halfway through Star Trek Picard Season 2, they announced the whole TNG cast is coming back for Season 3. Taking, in my opinion, away from the characters that were present in Season 2. Who we knew weren't fucking coming back once they announced that everyone else was coming back. Like We knew that we weren't going to see them. Or at least not, they weren't going to have any prominence. And I thought it was really unfair. Like, let these people have their fucking season and then do whatever. Um, I think with Shooty, obviously there's the controversial nature of Shooty's casting. And I say controversial since that people make it controversial. I don't yes. think it's controversial. Oh, yeah. No, that's what, that's what I meant. playing a role. Um, yeah. No, that's, that's what I meant. Yeah. There are people out there that just like it to be the old white person. And it's like, no. Um, but again, he was announced during Jody's final few stories. Mm-hmm. And there was all the press around Shooty and blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, will you stop? Let Jody finish her fucking run. Mm-hmm. Jody wasn't doing the 60th, I think, because she was pregnant. Shooty wasn't doing the 60th, we found out later on, probably because of the Barbie movie. And so then it becomes, oh, it's going to be David Tennant and Catherine Tate. And like, Jody hadn't fucking finished yet. I'm like, let the woman have her fucking end of the show. Um, and I do agree with you. I do not like this idea because this was the mindset that a big portion of the fandom, not going to lie, very, or at least a very vocal portion of the fandom had, which was Chibnall was shit. So they brought back in Russell, who's going to bring back in David Tennant and Catherine Tate because they were what made it good. And that just isn't the way to build a show that's meant to grow and move on. So I completely agree with you. I think it's about moving forward. I want Shooty to get a good season or two. 
maybe his entire run without seeing another doctor again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe in his final story, like you said, David comes back in and they recombine. Because I have seen people who've sort of said that Shooty seems very laid back and comfortable and calm in himself. And he said, we're Time Lords, we do rehab out of order. Mm-hmm. So I've seen people who suggest exactly what you're talking about, that David David Tennant's doctor, as we see him at the end of the giggle, will eventually regenerate into Shooty Gatwa. That will eventually happen. Um, and I would have liked to see that recombination and that's just Shooty just being like, oh, there's that other part of me. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Um, so when will we see the 14th Doctor? Hopefully not for fucking ages. And if we do, it's in big finish, comic yeah. books, novels. I wouldn't mind like a cartoon or something or a series of shorts, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that. Yep. Kind of like the lockdown specials. Those would be quite cool, but not in the main show. No. And not in a show that could be considered um, a replacement to the main show. Yeah. You, know, like, so you imagine Sarah Jane Adventures, Doctor Who, Torchwood, they each had their own lane. Mm-hmm. But if you had a spin-off with David Tennant and Catherine Tate, mm-hmm. people just start thinking that that's what Doctor Who is and they forget and they might disregard shooting and stuff. So I don't yeah. want that either. No. Cool. Well, we go on to Paul's other questions. And we'll yes. have a question from Sean. Mm-hmm. So Paul's other questions are to do just the podcast that we've been doing for the last year. Um, so Paul's question, you've reviewed a lot this year from the Rybus operation to Black Orchid. What's been the most fun to review? I need to go back and look at the episode because I'm, <laughs> we've done a lot this year. So actually, thank you for reminding uh, me which stories they were, by the way, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> actually, uh, as we're, speaking sean has sent in another question okay. uh and it's it, it's funny <laughs> it's it's, okay. it's yeah so uh we'll ca- we'll carry on with paul's thing first of all and then we will move on because uh it's only fair um this is a interesting one to answer because we've we've discovered that sometimes we have great crack reviewing stories that we're not particularly keen on (laughs) (laughs) so like are we talking about what was the most fun to review in terms of like we actually enjoyed the story Mm. or what was like the one where we just had the most banter (laughs) in the the, the Mm. last while um i think what was the most fun to review in terms of like actual like you know a really good enjoyment it's a toss-up between stones of blood and androids of tara i was thinking the same yeah um i was thinking the same in terms of the banter side of things Jesus, I think we went to town on Destiny of the Daleks. <laughs> but, I, but like, I think that was a sort of like, you know, oh, oh God, you know. <laughs> At the house, like, this does all you can do is laugh. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think most fun experience was Stones of Blood, Entrance of Tara. Because I think 
we really did fall in love with Mary Tam there. Yeah. Uh, well, Mary Tam and Romana one. Yeah. And like so much so that you bought me the novelizations of those two stories, which I fucking love. Um. And yeah, so that was great. Yeah, so I that that would be my answer. I think yeah. From from yeah. both those aspects. I agree. I think um, Stones of Wizard Tower is probably the, the one that I think we got into the most in terms of heart, I think. Mm-hmm. I think we enjoyed watching them, we enjoyed discussing them. I think in terms of, like I said, banter and whatever, I think City of Death was an interesting one because so many people oh. fucking love it. Oh, and we and were like, we... what the fuck? <laughs> Or like we were talking about Duggan as well, and he's like, you know, was, I'll just break everything. Fucking yeah. mentality. Yeah, so that was oh. good as well. Actually, Duod was a lot of fun, and not because it had anything to do with Doctor Who. It was a creature from the pit because we recorded it on May fourth, so we just talked about how much we love Return of the Jedi. <laughs> actually, another one that was really fun to talk about actually was the Horns of Nymon. Because I got to go yes. off on my whole thing about how um, you hate how oh, you hate Theseus. How Theseus is an asshole, <laughs> 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 and that was one. Um, yeah, so yeah, there's there's a couple of options there for you. Yeah, um, and for other listeners to go back and hear us either swoon uh, <laughs> being in love with a thing, or just go off on yeah. one of our fucking random tangents. Yeah. Um, a sort of similar question then, you know, what episode have you most enjoyed that you thought or heard was going to be rubbish or average? I think for me, it's probably Androids of Tara. Um, I think Androids of Tara is, I haven't, it's not that you know, I thought that I heard it was going to be rubbish or average. I haven't heard anything about it. Do you know? Um to be honest, all of Mary Tam's stories tend to get glossed over and people don't talk about them, so the entire thing was great. Um, so I think for me, probably Androids. I will say the one that everyone, again, like City of Death and Shatter are ones that everyone bang on about, and I was like, eh, they're okay. <laughs> they're nothing fucking fabulous. Um, what about you, Patty? Was there any one that you thought, like, that you heard was average? Or because you'd watched them before, that you thought on first viewing was average and you actually really enjoyed it on the second. Um, so two again spring to mind. One was um one was the Rybus operation, Mary mm. Times first out the gate. Because I remember thinking like not thinking um much on it. Um but the one that actually kind of surprised me was uh full circle i was actually mm. surprised at how much how high i rated that because mm. you know coming into coming back into adric again after having gone through his full cycle the first time and like kind of going oh god it's adric and then being impressed with the actual teams in the story um the some of the characters the darker elements of it um yeah, so I think like that one was like looking back, it was I'm really happy with it. I would say another one for me was Castrovalva, um, mm. because of preconceptions I had. You know, I've, I've talked before that I had this preconception about Tegan as a character, um, and I I loved her in Castrovalva. 
I thought she was absolutely fabulous. And that was a really pleasant surprise for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would probably be another one um, along there that I was like, actually, Joe, this is this is really good. Um, last one from Paul. Looking back on the Who you've reviewed in 2023, so again, Rybos up to Black Orchid. What is better or worse about Doctor Who with the fifth Doctor in the TARDIS compared to the fourth Doctor? That's a very interesting question. And I'm going to do a what's worse, first of all, which is from the stories we've seen of Peter of Peter Davison. What's worse is the companion connections, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all over the place. And that may be down to, we've talked about before, the production order of the season was completely higgledy-piggledy. Um, so I do think the companion relationship with the Doctor is worse in the current TARDIS than it was with the fourth Doctor and any of his companions. Mm. Um, in terms of what's better, I'm kind of struggling to find a better at the moment. Now, this is only because we've only done like five stories, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a bit unfair to compare like one, two, three, four. It is five stories with like 12 or more. How many is this? Six, 12. Yeah, to compare six stories with 19 stories to like identify what's better is a bit difficult for me. Um, I'm sure there are things that I will like more about the Peter Davison era compared to Tom's. But for now, I think it's still trying to find its feet. I can't really answer that question, honestly, yeah. from a better perspective. Yeah, no, I'm the same. Like In terms of what's worse is, it is the... He doesn't have a friendship with any of them. As, as, like Nissa is his protege, essentially, at mm. this stage. Adric is his ward, and Tegan is his responsibility. But no, I don't think any of them are his friends. Mm. But, and like, it's... Like well, one thing you could say that is maybe better is we've transitioned out of a time where the guy playing the doctor had an had an awful lot going on that kind of impacted you know the work on the role essentially you know, between his illness and his dislike of people behind the scenes. Sometimes you could see it bleed over. Sometimes you you mm. wouldn't even know that at all. But you're coming in with someone that has a fresh enthusiasm for the role. Mm. So someone that's kind of essentially giving their all. Mm. But yeah, um, I think when we, like, we'll be able to definitely answer a lot, like, you know, with a lot more uh, in-depth analysis when we come to our Peter Davison rambling down the line. Yeah. Like this question actually ties into Sean's question, which again, Sean, thank you for the question, but I would kind of struggle to answer it the same way, which is, what do we think of the Davis and Aaron in general? Um, and for me, I have to say it's a bit higgledy-piggledy. There's been some amazing moments. Again, mm-hmm. like going back to um, 
going back to uh, Kinder. No, going back to Kinder. And the whole thing with Tegan in her mind and whatever. Like, that Mm -hmm. was fucking amazing. Tegan was great in Castrovalva. I think Nissa's just sort of been chugging it along, having great moments here and there. Um, but then it, it swings very heavily in the other direction as well. Um, and so I think for now, of the five stories I've seen, it's higgledy-piggledy is the only thing I can say of it. But we're only five stories in. So, yeah. you know, how about, how about you? Any thoughts in general that we haven't mentioned um, already? I think the the one thing that is very stark, um, and we again we've had no real explanation as to why, but it's the complete one eighty on his relationship with Adric. Yeah, like he he treats Adric like shit, like and it's I then but like, and it's like you also have Adric. I don't know whether it's rebelling or he's just. Like you know, like he's rebelling against the fact that the doctor's treating him like shit, or he's just acting like the spoiled child, or like yeah, because the know it all. Because as we talked before about how he feels potentially challenged by Nissa's intelligence or Tegan's maturity, so like you have that component of it, and it creates like this. It creates a friction that you normally see in shows with a much larger supporting cast, mm. like. You can you can understand like why you say like if we go to Star Trek, there's like what like maybe half a dozen episodes where Picard has done something that Riker didn't agree with, and so they're pretty much on edge until they have their resolution. Mm. Whatever, but like you know what was done mm. here. It's like what has Adric done to make you treat him like crap, and also other than what we're theorizing as a genius adolescence ego being challenged mm. <laughs> like where is this kind of complete um he man woman hater aspect coming from yeah um it, it's, it's gonna be interesting to see how it develops i'm to be honest, i'm more interested in next season i know we still have two two stories to go in this season with Peter Davison. But I'm more curious to see next season, like once they've had a season under their belt, hopefully the production order will get a bit better next season. Mm-hmm. Oh, the production order, like that's actually, that's a thing I I think is severely impacting Peter mm-hmm. Davison's era. Stuff being shot out of sequence and they're being told to change their relationship status as a result of it. Yeah, and when we say stuff, we don't just mean like, obviously because most TV shows are shot, I believe like, you know, the first, like, the regeneration story was, like, the third story filmed. Yeah. And, like, it, particularly when you have, and, and I don't mean to pick out these two people in particular, but just to give it into a bit of context, like, Janet Fielding hadn't done a lot of acting at this point. Mm. Neither had, um, um, Matthew Waterhouse. Matthew Waterhouse. Yeah. And Matthew Waterhouse mm. was also very young. Mm. So, trying to get them to build this relationship and like on camera while filming is you know oh in this story you've only just met him and in this story you've been traveling for three stories but you might not even know what the script or happened in between they don't know what happened in the previous story whatever it really isn't helping it so that's why i'm saying i'm kind of 
withholding judgment until next season, in a way. I th- I think Peter Davison's errors so far can be summed up in Tegan's Charleston. It's a lot of forward and a lot of back, but you're going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say you had another question? Um, oh yes, f- from Sean. Uh, he uh, this is a question that he has been holding onto for a couple of years. Um, okay. Just in general, is he would like to know who is the best version of the master and why is it John Sim? <laughs> Sean loves John Sim, by the way. He loves he loves he loves John Sim's master. I will be honest. I do kind of agree with him. Um, when I and this could be just because the way I was introduced to the master. Obviously, I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, the David Tennant era first before I went back um, there is something about John Sim where the Masters at a point where I think Russell T. Davis was very clear in what he wanted the Master to be which is fucking psychotic mm-hmm. and John Sim plays that really fucking well yeah and I think I think he did I did he did the job fantastically. If we look at um uh Anthony Ainley, obviously we've only just started with him, we haven't had a whole lot. Um he's very panto, which I love mm-hmm. in its own way. <laughs> um and then before that we've Roger Delgado and uh, Roger Delgado obviously originated the role, but fuck me that man made not Roger Delgado, but like that version of the master questionable ally choices um, hmm. over and over like, again. Like, technically speaking, I, what is it? Like, if we've gone with what we've seen so far, the best version of the Master was Jeffrey Beavers in his, you know, burnt to a crisp Capurami <laughs> yeah. phase because he was, the mo- he was the most intelligent. That's <laughs> yeah. true, that's true. Um, so, I mean, I would kind of agree that John Sim is probably... Th- I think the best in terms of they knew what they wanted to do with the character. Mm. And he had an arc and he had a backstory that we get to see and it made sense. Whereas with the others, it's different writers, different producers. And I don't know. Um, In terms of, the other ones that come after John Sim, obviously we have um, Michelle, Michelle Gomez. Gomez. I haven't seen a whole lot of her. I didn't watch a lot of that run. From what I've seen, she's brilliant, but I I couldn't speak in context. Um, and Sasha Dewan did Rasputin, so like, mm. you know. I, I, like, I like Sasha Dewan's uh, master. He just reminded me of an evil version of Patrick Troughton. Um, Michelle Gomez I recently watched a video just kind of discussing uh, Sherlock and also like uh, Twice Upon a Time by the same person, and I've just noticed some just like thing would I uh, until we go back and watch it. Mm. My impression of Michelle Gomez from my memory is now a small bit coloured by this video that I watched. Um, where it's basically she's very much like the Irene Adler character from mm. Sherlock and it's like 
it just speaks to writing and stuff like that. And I don't think it's time fair to get into that now until we actually go to that era. Mm. But I th- <laughs> personally speaking, I think Michelle Gomez would have been much better as her own character. And yeah. like that wa- that wasn't the master. Mm. Um and I get what you know they, it was you know laying the the foundation for Jodie coming in because of the um, the gender change. But I think it would have you could still do that, but you could um so yeah, I think Michelle's thing is just a small bit colored for me at the moment. Anthony, yeah, absolutely, very panto. Very panto, uh, very Richard the Third type thing. Um, Delgado, like he was so suave and debonair and so fucking stupid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like an entire season, an entire season of trusting the fucking vicious aliens that would inevitably turn on him. And each successive story, he did the exact same fucking thing. Oh god, it's so fucking frustrating. Um, but John Sims' character characterization of the master was it took hallmarks, like it took the panto aspect, you know, with the over the top um, scissor sister dance routine. Or uh, my personal thing is like, yo, when he's wearing the gas masks, everyone else is choking around him, and like that guy goes, "You're insane!" And he just gives the big thumbs up. Um, but what I love about John Sims' character, from what you've seen, I've seen, like, I've seen a bit more to what you've seen. Um, it's I love John Sims' character in the end of time because. Russell's thing was, yeah, as you said, yeah, he wanted to portray him as insane, but it was insane by the machinations of the Time Lords. Yeah, and you just want, like, you saw this, like, there's an awful lot of discourse in that story. Like, you, know, the Wilf talking to the Doctor about, oh, going back to the specials, it was so nice seeing Bernard again for just that yeah. small, and it's just he wasn't in good health, and unfortunately, he passed away before they could do, I think, everything they wanted to do with the character. But it was so nice that the doctor actually got to see him again. The one thing that I find about that that actually is very is very interesting is that I watch a lot of like new rock stars and screen crush and those type of things, who do yeah. like you know, um, Easter egg things, um, and all the American reviews call him Bernard Cribbins. Mm. Like, his name's Bernard. Bernard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no offense to our American listeners, but his name's Bernard. No, Bernard. Uh, the amount of times I've listened to Right Said Fred since like watching <laughs> at the end of World View Under. But um but the master's thing of at the end when he's facing down Rassilon hmm. as played by Timothy Dalton, who I'm stating it now, I think is the best James Bond. There you go, Paul. <laughs> um so yeah, um, no, but it's just like when he's facing him down, and there's just this wonderful, like you get you get the master trying to be like you know, oh well, let me like you know, trying to weasel his way into a better deal, and then he just goes, "Do what? Fuck it, enough's enough," mm. and he has his heroic redemption esque moment. Mm. Um, but yeah, so yeah, no, like I think at the moment. 
John Sim probably is in the front running for being the best master. Although I will say, I think in terms of like actually being a good villain, Jeffrey Bieber's one is like by <laughs> far. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, well, we move on to some random shite. Absolutely. Okay. So I have a couple of questions for you. I don't know if you have any questions for me. Um, if we didn't have to worry about full-time jobs, which we currently do, which is why I, I actually look back, we only did like, like we did very few episodes this year just because life got in the way. I think we did um, like 20. It'll be 22, plus a couple of ramblings. Mm. Um, so sorry, dear listeners, that we only got 22 plus a couple of ramblings, but life got in the way. Um, so we didn't have to worry about full-time jobs. What non-who related show, and we've talked about this before, but I want you to pick, as of today, I want you to pick one. What non-who related show would you like to do a podcast about that follows the same general format that we use now? Um, I have an answer. Mm. And I will let, I'll get you to guess what you think my answer is. I'll give you a hint. It may not be the one you're thinking of. <laughs> well, see, I have... Because I also have an answer, because that's my question. Um, I actually have two. I have one that is very much in keeping with going back to the beginning and watching something from, you know, an older uh, time. And I have one that's coming out very soon. Mm. Like next week. Yep. Is that the same one? Uh, I think you might be on the money with your first one. Is it Mash? Yeah, yeah. I I would really like to go back and do a Mash podcast because Mash, for those of you that are listening that aren't aware, is set during the Korean War, and it's set during uh, it's set in a mobile army surgical hospital, and it is made up of a diverse group of characters, some of whom were drafted. They're all the majority of them are all doctors. They're all surgeons. Mm. Uh, and there's some orderlies, some base personnel, things like that. Uh, some are drafted in, some are actual career military. And for the first three seasons of the show, it is a bit more comedic. Mm. It then ventures into the realm of, I would classify it as a dramedy. I know what they mm. call it a sitcom, but I would classify it more as a dramedy. Because as it goes on, it deals with some incredible themes because this was being aired as Vietnam was happening yeah. and even even though it's set in a like the war in Vietnam sorry the Korean War which was in the 50s like it's kind of like Star Trek used to do mm. it's talking about stuff that's happening right now and like it, the stuff it highlights you're kind of wondering like that Jesus Christ like how can people think that way you yeah. know um and like there's again getting to talk about the character growth of Charles Emerson Winchester. I mm. I would really like that. You know? Or of Hot Lips. Yeah. Gee, I, I, I continually forget how much Hot Lips grows over it. Yeah. Because she goes from being Hot Lips to being Margaret. Yes, absolutely. Do you know? Uh, um but getting to I think about the, Potter would just be amazing and Yeah, or Sherman like, D. Potter is just like Harry Morgan brings so much to that show. 
Yeah. I like himself like himself and um Mike Farrell, uh yeah. who plays BJ Honeycutt. When BJ BJ and Prot are coming at the same time and they bring two different um Oh, they're, they're two very different characters. One is drafted, one is career military. But like they, you some stuff comes out of BJ that you that you think more so from Potter and vice versa. Mm. So like it's great to watch, and like I would highly recommend anyone to watch uh, Mash. Yeah, I do. I do think like when we get to the end of this eventually we catch up. Mm. I do think the next one on the block, if we were to do it. Would it would have to be Mash? Like you and I love the show so much. We've talked about episodes on that show so much. Mm-hmm. Um, it has so many. Like I'm just even just talking about it. There's so many interesting scenes that are immediately coming to me. I mean, the whole, I mean, the whole like finale. Is Jesus Christ! Insane. I. I watched the finale for the first time when I think I was in my mid-twenties and I bawled my eyes out for most of it. Yeah. Because um, it's just... Yeah, or, you know, the developing friendship slash potential romance between Hawkeye and Margaret. Um, I, I I always have in my head the episode where um, she finds out that um, Donald is leaving her. Mm-hmm. Or that Donald is cheating on her. And he's freaking out because they've increased the number of rotation points you need before you mm-hmm. can rotate out. And they're both kicking these cans like towards each other. And then he goes off and does a Hawkeye thing. And then you know, he comes back and they just have this thing where they all dye their hair red. And it's a, it's a big thing. And they, to be able to discuss those or like discussing, I mean, the whole thing with the finale and the the chicken on the bus. Um, <sighs> I'm sure for you it would hit very different now mm. than mm. it would have when we've discussed it previously. So I do think that one's there. But in terms of a show that I think we'd both love to review in this format that's coming out is Percy Jackson. Mm. Yes, because actually before I answer that, if we were to st- when we do if we do do the mash podcast we have to we have to start off with the movie yes. because the movie gave us the immortal pickup line which I don't think anyone any of us that have watched that movie have actually ever used no. but bring me that one the sultry bitch with the fire in her eyes yeah other than panda yeah. using it in RP I don't think I've actually heard anyone use it in reality yeah. um no. but yeah but the Percy Jackson the- series on Disney Plus is starting it- next week. And, and because they've made they've made it into a TV series, so they're going to give yeah. it a chance to breed. And yeah. the casting looks incredible. Mm. Um, it will be interesting to see it going forward, though, because unfortunately, uh, Lance Reddick passed away earlier on in the year, and Lance oh. Reddick was playing Zeus. Oh, so I, yeah, and but it's kind of uh, Toby Stevenson, isn't it, as mm. uh, Poseidon? Adam Copeland, also known as Edge, is playing Ares. I think that's fantastic. Um, Jason, oh, I feel like I'm going to ruin his last name, Mantatakis, the guy who plays Jankin Pog in mm. Prodigy, is playing Mr. Is Dionysus, a.k.a. Mr. D. 
Um, yeah, it's just but I think, a really good cast. I think just because like they're making it into a series, which is great, because the Percy Jackson movies were a bit shit. Um, but because you and I love the Rick Riordan books so much, mm-hmm. I and we know them so well. Um, I think to have a show airing live that we could do would be great, but we just sadly don't have the time to do it. Yeah. No. We barely have time to do this. Um, (laughs) And so, but it is the one show that, because obviously, you know, it would be great if we could review, if we were able to review Jolie live, but we wanted to do the from the beginning thing. Mm. Um, And we maybe could have done like a mission log thing where we did like supplementals or live shows where we talked about the the current run Mm -hmm. of shows and stuff but again we don't have the time to do that because we like this is not our job this is our hobby Mm -hmm. um that we do on the side um but i don't know like i i want to be able to nerd out about percy jackson with you (laughs) which we'll Uh, do anyway but i want to be able to like invite conversation from other people because in our friend group, we have a lot of people that we can talk about Doctor Who with. We have a lot of people we can talk about Star Trek with. So, like, Vicky and Alan and, you know, apparently mm. my brother-in-law, which I didn't realise that we could have had in-depth conversations and all the time. Sh- uh, Shane as well. Shane is a big Star Trek geek. Shane, you know, um, you know Paul and, and everyone. I mean, there's a lot of people we can talk about Star Trek and Star Wars and, and those kind of things. I haven't met anyone else other than you that's connected with the writing books in the same way I have. It's kind of like our thing, and I'm like, I would love uh, for us to be able to share that with other people and like get other people involved. I just want the show to be successful enough to get to the party ponies because party ponies party for life. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking adore the party pony. Uh, uh, my wife Sarah started reading the books recently enough, and mm. I, I was like, "Oh, tell me when you get to this bit because I want to know your reaction because it's one of my favorite parts of the entire it." Every book he's fucking written in, like, what is it now? It's 21 core books across the different mythologies. Five, five, three, and three. Five, five, three, three, five. Yeah. So, yeah, well, actually, there's another book now that's been added to the Percy Jackson stuff. Yes. Yeah. So, that's technically six. Yeah. So, yeah. So, 15. 21, 22-ish. Yeah. Um, and if you want to include uh, the sun and the stars, as well, or sorry, the sun and the star. Yeah. Uh, that's right. But yeah, no, across all these books, just this, like, I think they appear twice, but mm. God, the party ponies, I fucking love. Yeah, but I really um, wanted to do well because I wanted, like, I like Percy Jackson. I like Heroes of Olympus more. Um, mm-hmm. yep. I love the Cain Chronicles and I love Magnus Ch- Trials of Apollo I like you know I like mm-hmm. that whole uh, Greek and Norse or Greek and Roman grouping but mm-hmm. I have a particular place in my heart for the Cain Chronicles and Magnus Chase and I want yes. them to make those into shows as well so yep. that would so that be, be the one thing if we were to do uh, live week on week mm-hmm. podcast actually... or YouTube or, or something it, it, I'd want it to be that I yeah, I, like Heroes of Olympus is so good. Like Fra- like Frank Zhang is mm. he is I think my spiritual avatar in in, in, in that series. Uh, I think at yeah, the first time I told that to you, like you were like, "Yep." yep. Um, like, like, 
there's other shows as well. Like obviously we've talked about Sharp a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure like you know obviously we could do the Star Trek thing, although like that's Mission Logs area, but we could do it as well, and we could do. I think there's something about Mash, and there's something about the Ryan verse that's just so mm-hmm. us. It's so team, you know those yep. two things. Mm-hmm. Abs- no, it absolutely is. Um. <laughs> Uh, just because like people might be curious, the party ponies are essentially a group of surfer bro boozed up centaurs that just like <laughs> like essentially they're like a frat like a frat a frat house of centaurs that just like to fuck shit up, but they're good guys. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, if you have any interest whatsoever in Greek Roman. Egyptian or Norse mythology, like you have to read the required books. Yeah, they're aimed at like a middle school age sort of Harry Potter esque um, target grouping, um, but they're they're so good. They're so good, I th- and I will say, Rick does representation very well. He does because the first series of books so Percy Jackson the Olympians which is the TV series come out that is the Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone arc everything that comes after the Heroes of Olympus Trials of Apollo Cain Chronicles Magnus Chase they all handle such really like some dark teams um, some teams that are close to home for like you for me and and he handles it so well like and it, it doesn't feel forced or contrived or anything it's beautiful to see. Yeah, he's so good. He's 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 amazing. Um, so yeah, uh, that was my first random shite question. Do you have any random shite questions? I have a few, but do you have any? You go to your ones first, and then we can go back go on to my one then. Okay. Who would win in a fight, a Cyberman or a single Borg drone? Uh, whoever's quickest off the draw. Fair enough. Because a single Borg drone needs to be able to... The Borg Collective can only adapt at the sacrifice of a drone. If it's just a one-on-one fight. If it's just a one-on-one fight, it's whoever it's whoever's the Han Solo or Mad Reynolds of this fucking particular thing. Actually, cool. that's, a, that's, a, that's a fucking you know, bullshit question for you. Uh, who shoots first, Han or Mal? Mm. Are we talking... Star Wars New Hope hand, or are we talking like we are talking the f- original theatrical version Han Solo? I think Han. Cool. If we're talking later Han, like Return of the Jedi Han, I would say Mal. Yeah. But Han. Yeah. It's always Han. <laughs> At that time of his life, it's always Han. Mm hmm. Um, okay, if you could go back in time and change mm-hmm. anything about our earliest episodes, what would you change? Oh, I think one thing. I think the only thing that kind of springs to mind from an actual, um, other than our sound quality, which we're aware is yeah, often shocking. Uh, Apologies. No, well, well, no, see, you started off with a you you started off with a professional microphone, and then you got me one for my birthday, which was very early into our run. Yeah. So I think from. I think from the Aztecs onwards, we sound all right. Except um, for now, when I don't have access to my microphone, so I sound like shit. Yes. Sorry. 
I honestly don't know because of the fact that the format works. Mm. But I think I think Paul pointed this out is when we started off, we were barely breaking an hour mm. uh on like four parters. And then just what is it last week? We went nearly two hours on a two-parter. Yeah. I think we have... Oh, I don't know if matured is the right word. I I think our ability to read into the themes and stuff that's going on has just become a bit more nuanced or a bit better. And like yeah. because like that's not to say the earlier episodes, like, oh, there wasn't as many, you know heavy hitting teams or interesting character dynamics no fucking bullshit like we love the Hartnell Hour the Hartnell Hour is mm. like as we we've confirmed on air in our Tom rambling that he has taken the spot as number one doctor mm-hmm. first two seasons first two seasons of Hartnell are fucking fantastic um and like you've got stories like Marco Polo uh which deals with it was the first thing I think where we ever came to an disagreement about what constitutes villain or prominent character things mm. like that um so i think just like our our insights have just become a bit more fine-tuned yeah i, I actually had the same thing in mind i was thinking back over because you messaged me during the week being i can't believe we did two hours on black orchid and i was like fuck we did um and it's the one thing where because we both love Particularly those first two seasons of the Hartnell era so much. I mean, the fact that we did them first, because we're obviously going in chronological order, part of me kind of feels like we did them a bit of a disservice. Because A, I think we've become much more um, comfortable talking about themes and other parts. We've sort of realised that people listen to us every week they're happy to listen to two hours. I'm sure people skip around and jump bits, whatever, that's fine, but whatever. Um, but I think when we first started out, we were very conscious of how long the episodes were. And mm. part of this is because, at least from my perspective, um, a lot of people know this, we took our, the general idea for this show and the general format, though, though we do ours a bit new, more, uh, the nuances are different. Um, is based off Mission Lock, mm. the Roddenberry podcast. And those guys aim for about an hour. Um, and the guys have done, like, in their Patreon bits and stuff like that, they've they've talked about how, like, sometimes, you know, Rod was so messing with, like, hey, you're kind of going over the hour mark on this one. Like, you know, can we get it under? And I think we were very focused on no one will listen to us prattle on for two hours. And... I do kind of regret that we didn't we weren't as comfortable in ourselves mm. in the earlier episodes that like we like the rambling for Ian and Barbara is like 40 minutes yeah for like the two we used to I think like I, we're, we're, I think we're fucking safe now to say mm. it but like we would sometimes do the ramblings on our hour long lunch break yeah when so like, were working from home. Yeah, and like, or we do them after we recorded the full episode. We just do it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, we we could never do that now. 
Um, yeah. So I do kind of regret that a bit. Um, but that that also comes with time and progress and whatever. And it's not like we've stopped talking about the Hartnell era or about Ian and Barbara no. or Susan or Vicky or anyone. We, we mention them all the time, so they're fine. They get their they get their licks in, but. Um, I do kind of wish we'd just sort of said fuck it. Yeah. And just talked. Do you know? Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of our comfort with it now actually comes from people like Paul and Shane and stuff like that who you know, are like, you know, we occasionally mention like, oh, we, we went on a random tangent between segments, do you know? Because you know, obviously people realise when the when when the break music comes in, Paddy and I have a separate conversation and then we pick up again. Um but the length of those separate conversations have gotten smaller and smaller. Yeah. I think it's because Paul wanted to know what the fuck we were talking about. <laughs> Do you know? Um so yeah, that that is one thing I would probably if we could do it all over again, I'd say don't put a timeline on it. Also, it came from the fact that we used to do two on, one off, off, two two on, two off. So we used to record two stories back to back Mm -hmm. in one day. And then we'd take the following week off. And then we'd record two stories and then we'd take the following week off. And now we just do one a week. And if it means Mm -hmm. we miss a week because I'm away or because work gets busy, or it's like, fuck it. Um, we don't get paid to do this. So. <laughs> yeah, because like I, I again, I remember when we did, uh, what was it? Oh, Dalek's Master Plan. Mm. I recorded part the the summary for parts one to four separately. I mm. did that on just on a random day because you were watching everything sequentially, so it only made the most sense that we would just do the summary for the. Mm. Parts five to twelve. I was going, Jesus Christ! But actually, one of my favorite things about that was Shane messaged us to say he was in a shop listening to us as he was in the queue, and then it got to me going, "Part twelve, thank fuck!" <laughs> Which one? He, he just he just burst out laughing. Um. So yeah. Um. Yeah, like it's like. I, I, but I don't know. I think it's like anything. Like that, the more comfortable you get with the stuff that you're doing, mm. the more you don't mind drifting into that extended time run. Yeah. Because if if the point needs to be talked about, the point needs to be talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like you know for stuff like the time meddler, you know, we I think we actually had a good discussion about that. Mm. Uh, that aspect um, that he brought up earlier on. I don't think we shortchanged it. No. And I I think as I think as time went on, when we started getting comfortable being in that hour twenty plus mark, we were we were I think we found our groove then. Mm. Um Yeah. And like yeah, like, and who knows? Like, maybe we could be overselling it. Maybe we actually just hit all the teams. We were just less verbose, <laughs> or, we, we, or we talked less random shite. <laughs> people out there being like, "Can you go back to the hour, lads?" Like, seriously, yeah. <laughs> can you go back to the hour? No, yeah. fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, I have one more question for you. 
but I want to, it sort of ties into that. So one of the things, so when we first started doing this, I remember you were like, let's do a podcast. I'm like, fucker, slow down. We need to talk about the domain and all this other shit. And you were just like, but let's go. And one of the things we talked about very early on is would we do a Patreon or something like that? Mm-hmm. And I remember the reason I gave for why I didn't want to do it, which is you and I have jobs and mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to take money off people if we weren't able to deliver what they're expecting and mm-hmm. have the extras and the behind the scenes and whatever. Um, do you think we've undersold ourselves by not going down? Like, cause we don't do a lot of promotion either. Like we, we have Twitter, we have Instagram, thanks, Paul. Um, we have Facebook as well. We have Facebook. We don't, you know, we don't spend money on promotion. We don't um, chase it. You know, we sort of go with natural growth, and you know, we have mm-hmm. you know consistent numbers but, every week that we're happy with. We do, and, and like we do a small bit of word of mouth as well. Whenever yeah. we're, we're, yeah. Yeah. Do you think we've undersold ourselves by not going down the route of, you know, Patreon and you know big promotion and merch and whatever because we do have stickers that we made for ourselves <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as an experiment uh, related um well like see part of me kind of would go you know oh it'd be fun to do a patreon because like, how many times have we like just segued from the the, so, like, for people listening, the flow from the trivia to the character discussion is mm. a matter of seconds. Sometimes it's 10, 15 minutes before we get into it because we talk about something we heard that day in ter- mm. like that's relevant to our interests. Mm. Or we might have, like, watched a movie or seen a gone out a YouTube rabbit hole or something like that. And I know some people are interested in our you know, in between banter because it drives them fucking batty. Um but like I think if if the demand was there, you know, I think I'd be up up for doing a, a Patreon. Because I know we have a de- we like we do have a good listener base. Like you know, it's like you know it's not stratospheric, but like you know we have people that tune into us every week, and I know that some people just enjoy listening to us, and some people engage when they we have our regular people that contribute, such as Paul and Shane, uh, and then we have like we've had people that have dipped their toes into water once or twice, and um, we've had people thank us for turning them on to the classic era because. You know, all they ever saw was the snippets or reconstructions and things like that. But when we did the, when we made the conscious effort to recap the missing ones and watch the loose cannon or um, yeah, the loose cannon reproductions, I think it turned the people to kind of, oh, I want to go back and experience these stories in some capacity, you know? Mm. Um, and so, yeah, like I've, in, in terms of doing the Patreon, if people want it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I still have the same hesitancy that I had before. Because, like, 
I, I mean, I, I have to commend Dan and Paul over at Half Measures because those guys also mm-hmm. have full time jobs, mm-hmm. and yet they churn out a new episode every fucking week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because ours requires so much effort, because you have to watch the story, you have to write the recap, I have to do the trivia, we have to put together our notes and whatever. It's 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 a full measure, as the boys would say. Um. I feel very. I would feel very guilty if there was, and it happens. There's weeks where we don't mm-hmm. post, and I find I personally find social media quite exhausting. Um, so I would feel very bad if we couldn't engage. But if you were willing to do it, I probably wouldn't mind as much. Um, <laughs> like you could just take <laughs> care of all of that, and I just. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just yeah, reaping I, the benefits of not having to pay as much every month for uh, the tools that we no, use. I, 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 I have no problem you know, uh, engaging with our adoring public. Um, yeah. But I think, though, as you said, like it's it wouldn't be fair to people to charge for something and then go intermediate of times without delivering on it. Yeah, and that, that that's the one thing that I struggle with with all of that is... We have our priorities. We love doing this podcast. We do. Mm-hmm. And we're dedicated to doing it. We're dedicated to getting to the end and catching up with ourselves eventually. But we also have our priorities. Your priority is your family. So is mine. Our work is very time intensive. Um, also, mental health is very important. Like sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, I get home from work on a pet and it's not up for it today. And it's not. Yeah, no. like so, like and like, thing is, like sometimes, like there have been times where both of us are really excited, and then it comes to day off, and then one of us like could be sick, or one of us could just be having a shitty day, and we don't want to carry that on to mm. the air. Like, like to give an example, um, Black Orchid, um, this is a two-parter that we shot over the course of what three weeks, two weeks, uh, two weeks, two weeks. Because something came up and we were like, nope, have to cut it. We'll, we'll pick up yep. next time. So I, I don't know. I don't know why I, I was thinking about it the other day. I think it was because um, I was looking on Discord. So we've got the mission log Discord. We've got the half measure Discord that we're that we're part of as well. Um, and I was like, oh, like did we miss? Did we miss a trick by not doing it? You know, should we be doing it? And then my thing is just like it's a big commitment. And even if it was just a dollar a month, I wouldn't want to take people's money without being able to deliver. I yeah, know. I'd feel very weird about it. No, like you, you, you want to give like no. In in terms of the content that we do deliver, I think we would deliver bang for buck. Mm. But in terms of actually getting it on the regular basis, yeah, yeah that would be a concern. Yeah. yeah. So those are my random shade questions. That last one went into somewhat serious territory, um, mm-hmm. but. We've been talking for an hour and 56 minutes. What are your <laughs> random shite questions? So I kind of gave the game away yesterday when I asked this, and I feel like I, I'll i give you an opportunity to rethink. Hmm. So we know that the Weeping Angels, in their original run, they, as the doctor said, they kill with kindness. What they do is they displace you in time. They send you back into the past in an in the, like at a random time but they do it so that if you, you will die in the past essentially mm. 
and they feed off the potential of your life energy in the present. That's how they sustain themselves. And I asked Trish, what era, if she had the choice, what era would she like a weeping angel to send her back into? No. And for some reason, my brain went, would I be the same age I am now? And obviously I would be. That was a stupid question. I don't know why that entered my head. Um, And I really, because like, a part of me is like, oh, I'd love to go back and like watch the moon landing or I'd love to do this. And I was like, would you have to fucking live in it? It's the important thing. Yeah. And so, given the fact that I'm 35 now, nearly 36, um, I do kind of have to go with my answer that I gave you yesterday, which would be late 70s, early 80s. Um, which would still mean I'd probably, if I have to die in my past compared to now, would probably mean I, I do still die in like my 70s or something. Um, but I would probably have to say this because like. You know, I know a lot of people put on like rose tinted glasses about like bygone eras and whatever, and I'm like, well, like oh, like maybe the 1920s. I'm like, oh, 1920s in Ireland wasn't fucking great. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> you know, um, I'm like oh, like maybe like the 1950s. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, like LGBT rights were great. Mm-hmm. You know, not not to forget that whole TB thing. Yeah, um, you know. This is a whole thing of it. And I'm like, oh, I'd love to see, like, um, the pyramids being built. I'm like, yeah, but, like, disease and death, mm. basically. Um, so I would probably stick with my original. Because also, from my perspective, that means, like, if, I, if I say, like, 1977, the original release of Star Wars, getting to watch TNG on first release, mm. getting to watch the original Battlestar Galactica and stuff like that, um while at the same time having the potential to still see the revival era of Doctor Who. Mm. Um, like I said, I wouldn't live till now because that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd still probably live well into my yeah. 60s or 70s. Yeah, you see, you get you get to rewatch the revival era of Doctor Who, and then you have the worst PTSD when you watch Blink. Yeah, you, you <laughs> motherfuckers that did this to me. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Oh. What's yours? So, like, this is the thing now is that, like, I am, like, I, I love history. I'm a history buff. And I'd, there's so many periods that I'm fascinated by, but they all come with their own unique pitfalls. And you kind of made the point that, you know, 1920s Ireland, not a great time at all. 1960s like even if you're going to the 70s and 80s you brought up lgbt still not a great time for rights like and like you're kind of you're faced with the reality of the fact that you know if you get sent back in time you're a woman back in time Mm. when things aren't also fucking great for you you know when in order to get the the fucking point across a woman had to throw herself in front of a horse and a fucking yeah um I'm almost like that Homer Simpson thing, you know, I'm a white male age between this and this. Everyone listens to what I say. Um, So, like, if I could, I would like to go back to probably the golden age of exploration because when I know it comes with the fucking tacked on The golden age of colonization. Yeah, yeah. No, but actually, no, sorry. I won't say colonization. 
Mm. When seafaring was still a thing. Mm. Because you have an opportunity to go back and see like just some cultures that are still in their ascendancy before colonization happens, unfortunately. Mm. And just to go back and kind of just see them in their heyday before, you know, pricks that would have looked like me would come over and fuck things up. Um, either that or I'd actually go back to, oh, when is it? About the 1860s. Mm. So that I'd have a chance to go to uh, when Japan was going through the Meiji Restoration, when they were becoming a bit more westernized, uh, and just go and just see that transfer as was happening, that transference of ideology. So, a somewhat connected thing, right? If I had a TARDIS, mm-hmm. I had one trip in the TARDIS, I would like to go back to the creation of Newgrange. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. What the fuck were they doing? And how did they do it? Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say I'd want a TARDIS for that and not just the Weeping Angels because I need to be able to fucking understand what they're saying. Yes. Um, I I would love to go back to the building of Newgrange. Because if I'm not wrong, Newgrange predates the Great Pyramids, doesn't it? It does, yes. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, um, Newgrange is a Neolithic monument yes. um, in Ireland that has this it's it's this almost magical thing in some ways because it's so old but on the winter solstice if I'm getting this right I'm going to get this all wrong now so I'm like, oh, whatever um the so it's there's a channel in it that lights up on a certain day of the year and it's clearly some sort of the the understanding of the movement of the planet and, and the sun to build it is astounding. Do you know what it is? Most people would probably know um, there's a street in New York that at a certain time of day, the light hits it perfectly mm. and it, it creates this magical effect. That's what New Grange is. I, I equate it to the, um, the Well of the Souls from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, I'm actually going to look it up, actually, because I, I did a really shit job um, summarizing what it is. But obviously, thanks to modern technology, they're able to replicate that on any given day of the year, because it's now a heritage, it's a national heritage site in Ireland, and you can yeah. go visit it. And they yeah. allow you to go into the inner chamber, and they simulate the sunlight on the day of the winter solstice. Yeah. So, Newgrange is a prehistoric monument in County Meath. Um it's a grand passage tomb that was built in the Neolithic. It's about 3200 BC. So it's older than Stonehenge and the pyramids, which is what I really want to know. Um, and it's aligned with the winter solstice sunrise. So when the sun rises on the winter solstice, the passage lights up. Um, and it's just the... It, my mind just can't. It's like, I want to know, like... How did they do it? Why, like, why did they do it? What was its purpose? Um, I just, I really want to know. So, if I could do like a a, a, t- a trip in the TARDIS, I get one trip, only one. Like, to stay there for a while and talk to people. Mm. That would be that would be my one. Um, yeah. So, does that answer your your it, yeah it does. weeping angel question? <laughs> it, it it does it does. Um. 
I had I was I had an initial another one, but like I realized that I think we answered that at last year, which was like if you could take um a companion and pair them up with a different doctor, who would you pick? Um I don't yeah, know. I think we did that. That one last year. Yeah, we did that one last year. Um I don't know because it's difficult because like we normally talk about these random things during the course of any given podcast episode. Um so okay. yeah. I'm gonna ask you a question to close it out, because I know what my answer is to this. Okay. We've been doing this now for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. In terms of a listener connection, so that could be a conversation that we had on Twitter or Instagram or, or Facebook. It could have been a review, it could be a conversation you maybe had with someone, you know, in real life listening to show. What is the one thing where you had oh we did good? It was, and I still remember it vividly. Um, I'm no, I'm no longer part of this group uh, on Facebook. It was a, it was a Doctor Who fan group. That the whole idea was that it was positive vibes about the show. No, we've mentioned it a lot. Yeah, in previous years. Yes, and I personally, I believe it became a a, a case of almost like toxic positivity mm. where like no dissenting opinion of anything like you if you were to say like that like oh you know the episode was grand but you know i didn't particularly like it no mm. you're not allowed to say anything so i think it became an everyday of toxic positivity um but there was a time there was a discussion again around the first doctor and the evidence for how he was bad x y and z was twice upon a time and normally when i see this i you know fucking buckle on my shield and i go charging into the breach some fucker beat me to it and he said this you know like no the doctor was never like that you know it's taken out of context and all this kind of stuff and he said look i've been going back through it and i've also been listening to this podcast time traveling team and they go into all these discussions and i was like (gasps) yeah so that was great. I, yeah, so I, uh, I messaged him. I was like, I was very thankful for that. And I was like, going, and like, I think that's what that's one of the reasons why we set this up because when we initially talked about doing like a YouTube channel, we were both just getting so sick and tired of like this just constant stream of negativity. Mm. Like, because we are living in an age of he who shouts loudest gets listened to the most. We're also living in the age of grifting, where people will say shit because just to kind of tap into that toxic element of any fandom. And but I think where I was coming from is that we're also living in an age of where people are very on the fence about stuff, mm. and if they can be like some people, like they fall under like they're convinced or their worst fears are played upon or any of that kind of stuff. And so they're like, well, this person's doing the work for me. They're telling me, they're watching and telling me how bad it is so I don't have to. And it's like, no. If a positive counter-argument comes up, it then forces those people to actually get off the fence and watch it for themselves and make their own opinion. If they still agree you know, that it's terrible or whatever, that's fine. But at least you made the effort to go and watch it yourself and form your own opinion for it. So, yeah, no, like, I think when we had someone come back and then listen to us and then actually do a rewatch because they liked what they were hearing and then saw that opinion actualized, 
with what mm-hmm. they were watching. I thought we like, yeah, we did it. Very cool. Mine was actually something you shared with me a couple of months ago. Um, so there's various like podcast review sites where you can leave reviews on podcasts and stuff. And um, I think you went down a bit of a rabbit hole just out of curiosity, just sort of seeing if there were reviews for us anywhere. And there was one in particular. And it's like, hey, it's a great podcast if you want to like da da da. And the other comes like, unlike other Doctor Who podcasts, Trish and Patty realise that there's an audience listening to them. <laughs> and they don't talk as if there's no one listening. And it was the weirdest compliment I think I've gotten. I think possibly we've gotten on this, I mean, I've gotten on the podcast. But obviously, this is two friends having a chat. Um, but the fact that like someone was like, you know, it's two friends having a chat, but they realise there's a whole world of people also listening. Um, it's great. People appreciate the fact that it's not just you and I talking shite to each other. Mm-hmm. And ha- like we have in jokes, but we try to explain them <laughs> if mm-hmm. we can. Um, and uh, there was just something about that review that I was like, oh, like it like made me feel all squishy. I was like, yeah, I remember that review as well. And I was like, people appreciate the way we do yeah. it. It was very sweet. Because it's, us is just two people having an opinion, and as I said, like we always invite other people's opinions because we just love talking about this show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was, there was something about that that I was just like, that that's really nice to hear, you know. Um, I, I think there's like you know like it depends on like they're hosts, not just two people having a chat. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is great. Hmm. But look, we've gone on at the time of recording. We're currently at two hours and twelve minutes. Um, yeah. Everyone in my house has gone to bed. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think we leave it there. We're yes. this is gonna be our last uh episode of this year of twenty twenty three. We will be back in twenty twenty four to finish off um Peter Davison's first season. I will say is that as much as I said like, oh social media gives me anxiety or whatever, if you didn't have a chance to submit a question, um and you do have a question, do reach out, like I said, Facebook, Instagram, X, Twitter, whatever, email all the details are in the description of the channel, so um, do feel free to reach out. Or we will reply. <laughs> as <laughs> much as I say, it gives me anxiety. Um, we will. Um, and other than that, happy holidays. You know, if you celebrate a holiday around this time of year, happy mm-hmm. whatever it is you're celebrating. Um, happy New Year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, roll on the Christmas special. And yes. then roll on 2024 yep and roll on percy jackson (laughs) (laughs) so until next year guys bye